You're listening to The Togetherings, hosted by the Alaska Humanities Forum. The Togetherings are recorded conversations with Alaskans from all walks of life, sharing their perspectives on big questions that touch us all. Each series shares a common theme that is explored across episodes. Johnny Hayes and Michael Frederick. Thanks again for being with us tonight. We would love to to start to get to know you and and also why you were interested in joining us. So if you could, um, could you start by telling us a little about what is the title of tonight's show, Play, Space and Trace? What does this mean to you? What's what's your connection with this topic? Um, and maybe, Michael, could I ask you to start us off? Sure, sure. I would love to start. I have to just make a correction. I am, because of all those amazing architects, I'm sure, that are listening, <laughs> and many of my mentors, I'm not registered, so I can't call myself an architect, but I got a master's of architecture. Thank you so, for clarifying. Thank that's you. A, yeah, thank <laughs> you. So with my design background and my 10,000 years of ancestry here in this wonderful place, you know, I really loved the, the topic. Um, just thinking about where we are and who we are and, and what is our trace into that and what do we have to contribute for the next generation. So I was, that's kind of the way I was thinking about it. Wonderful, thank you. Johnny, what, what's your connection to this topic? Uh, I don't have the same lineage as Michael. Um, I'm a transplant um, <laughs> from the East Coast, and as soon as I arrived, um, I knew it was a special place. And so I've worked uh, over the years um, with a great amount of respect for the people who come before me um, in thinking about ways in which our communities can come together and uh, chart a path forward. Um, so I think of place and space as um, locations that we occupy together as one, along with all of the um, systems that are beyond just humans. And so um, I have a huge amount of interest in space and place. And as um, <laughs> if you've ever gone hiking, leaving no trace. But <laughs> if you do, make it better than when you arrived. So um, I'm, I'm interested in getting deeper, but that's the, that's the general background of how I... I'm excited about this. I, um, I appreciate your, your thought about making it better um, than you found it, Johnny. And, and that brings up a question for me, for both of you, which is what comes to mind then if, if you think about the parts of your work that are focused on, on making Anchorage a better place? What, what does that mean to you? I'll throw that back to you, Johnny. Um, well, I think the Anchorage is a, a city, so I'll address the human aspect of it. Um, I think the value of humans and one another is uh, really important. So uh, as we come to construct, you know, my, my background is in the built environment, um, which takes a lot of conversations and partnerships. And so um, addressing that in terms of community-wide and doing things and valuing other people's perspectives and experience um, is a big part of that. So moving together with it in terms of a community um, it takes a it, it takes a lot of people to make that happen and recognizing the value and everyone being a part of it is a key um, aspect of, of doing design work but also just all, all aspects of it 
when uh, when it comes to this, um, you know, the need for for partnership in in design, is there a, a particular experience, Johnny, that that stands out to you from your time in Alaska? Yeah, I think um, designers have a skill set. You know, we're visual communicators. Um, we're thinking about a, a lot of different rules and regulations. Mm. Um, there's a there's a town square park. Actually, it was one of a one of the more unique experiences I've had. And I was a facilitator at a table uh, of, of people who were excited to share their ideas um, and just listening. Really, um, is a key key aspect and being able to help people articulate what their vision is uh, of our community. And so those are, over the years, I've gathered a lot of those and I have really fond memories of working with people who um, have very different perspectives than I, but when you share in the excitement of doing something together um, at a place as, as specific and loved as Town Square Park, mm -hmm. um, those, those tend to last a while. I want to come back to you, Michael, um, that, that question about, you know, thinking about a better Anchorage, how does that strike you? I, I love Anchorage. It's where I grew up. Um, I came back here from school in Seattle and Chicago, and I always knew I'd come back because there's something special about this place that, um, I've never experienced anywhere else. And I, I felt like I knew Anchorage and Alaska better when I left, and I knew myself better. I I grew up in Anchorage, so my father is of Yupik descent, and my mother was from Kansas. And so I had a lot of exposure to my culture, but it wasn't um, as obvious to me what that was and what kind of, you know, place, I guess, if you if you could use that word culturally, I, I, I couldn't identify it until I left. And then I began to understand really what was unique about Alaska and um, the indigenous people and the people like Johnny, the transplants and all these different unique people coming together. It was uh, something I really valued when I was gone. Um, so I've created a wonderful career around exploring that more and more. And like I said, I went to architecture school and I got my master's in architecture and came back and started doing the technical things around it and just didn't feel, you know, the, the juice there. I didn't feel like I was connected enough. So I really dove into stakeholder engagement and that's been an amazing way to learn about this place to help people define what critical success is in the in the built environment in the planned environment and to understand all the different regions and the and the commonalities but the differences about what place is and what's important so i'm really lucky to be able to have kind of created or crafted this more unique um, part of architecture and design thinking and using that to learn more myself about who I am and, and who I am in Alaska and this, in this wonderful community we're in. Hmm. Michael, is there a part um, of, you know, you mentioned your stakeholder engagement work. Um, is there a, a particular 
experience that you, you feel good about or you're proud of in that work? I mean, I'm, I'm proud of all of the experiences because it really is, you know, leveraging a voice that isn't always heard or at the table, mm. especially 20 years ago when I was starting out. Um, I mean, it's, it's amazing because I think my whole life is entwined. There's not a professional or personal side to me. Um, so all of my work becomes personal and begins to shape and change who I am. I mean, the most, the most deeply shaping project that I, I, I could attribute was working on the new replacement hospital in um, Utgavik, hmm. where I met a wonderful woman named Mary Sage, who was part of the community. And I ended up working with her to adopt um, my son, who I have now, who's eight. So hmm. he, you know, just through my work, I've completely crafted my whole life, you know, it, it runs in and out of everything. And then um, working on more recently the Covenant House, um, the new Covenant House and now the expansion uh, really got me laser focused on homelessness and those experiencing homelessness. And um, yeah, I, I, it all becomes part of who I am, not just part of, you know, helping uh, someone define what a project looks like, it becomes part of my life too. So it's, mm. I'm proud of it all in that way. Sure. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I, um, I also, I have to say, I grew up in Anchorage and then left and then came back. And um, it's, it's really um, interesting and, and wonderful to hear two different takes on the city, both positive, um, you know, people who have found something special here that they have dug into um, and, you know, one growing up here and one a transplant. So it's great to have you both on. Um, we, we wondered, um, you know, you heard at the beginning of this show, Simonetta did a land acknowledgement statement um, to say, you know, we are here in the studio in Anchorage. This is the homeland of the Denina people. And this is something that's really caught on, um, you know, with a lot of organizations in Anchorage. And I wondered if, if one or both of you would like to, to share your thoughts on this, on, on if, if there is a role for land acknowledgements, um, you know, as we are thinking about Anchorage's future. And if so, what it is to you, what it means or, or maybe what you hope it could be. I can jump in on that. Yeah, go for it, Michael. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I know it's a big question. (laughs) It is a big question, but you know what? I think what for me it is, is it makes me so proud and so emotional um, because I don't, I wish my father were alive in a day when this was something that you hear the mayor mm-hmm. and leadership here because it wasn't like that, right? And we still have a lot of struggles here, definitely with all kinds of different um, celebrating our diversity, and I think that we're working on that. But when I hear um, people speaking their native language, which I never learned because my father was like, it won't serve you to learn this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the generation he grew up in and when I hear um, you know people acknowledging in, in all kinds of venues where we are even I'm not denying it you know I'm Yupik so 
it makes me so proud. And I think it has a place. It has a place in everything we do to acknowledge that where we began. I completely agree. I, b- I believe it has a place. Um, I'm really proud of our leadership uh, locally who have taken it upon themselves to continue and demonstrate um, how meaningful it can be by doing it uh, often and well. Um, I remember the first time that I uh, was a part of one, um, and that was a memorable experience at um, the Heritage Center for a welcoming Anchorage meeting. Um, and I, frankly, it's informative um, for people who become part of our community um, to understand the value of the people who come before you and the stewardship um, that is that has existed uh, for such a long time. And I, I, I sometimes think about why wouldn't you do it? Um, what what can possibly go bo- wrong by acknowledging um, something positive ahead of you? And so uh, I see it as a stepping stone to stepping stone to bigger and greater things, uh, and a really important step that's accessible and achievable um, by anyone in any profession. Um, and you you share it and state it from your own personal space. Um, and so I think it's a, a really fantastic thing. Um, that is increasing in quantity, and um, I think it holds its meaning. And even the more often it occurs, the more often I experience it, uh, I think the more valuable it is. So that's also an exciting um, step forward. Yeah, I, um, I'm struck by your language, Michael, of the power of acknowledging where we began. And this is another big question. I should warn you both, <laughs> but. Um, I guess I'm, I'm wondering how does connecting to the past show up in your work of designing for the future? It's oh, a great question. And feel free to, to take a second to think about it if, if need be. Um, and, and whoever is ready first, just jump on in. I can, yes, I'll jump in here quick because one Mike. thing that, yeah, right out of the gates I, <laughs> strikes me, um, and that's coming as a transplant. Um, tasked with doing things that represents people that maybe you're not as familiar with or not simply you weren't part of that community to begin with. Mm. Um, And so working and thinking about acknowledging the past, you also have to be cognizant and recognize where you stand. Um, It's not my place to uh, show other people what the past means to them. Uh, And so it's creating that space that people can articulate their values Mm -hmm. Um, and that can be within a conversation it can be um, it can take any number of forms but not doing it for people but creating or acknowledging that they have that expertise and that perspective um, and and helping help using your skills to transform that into something that's meaningful to them and less about you I like that. I am. For me, as I get older, I really enjoy having more past. (laughs) And I really look at things that I learned as I was growing up totally different. And when you say, how has the past influenced? The first thing I think of is my wonderful aunties who I think every culture has this, but your aunties are everyone, right? They're not just your blood aunties or your uh, relatives, but they're the women in your life that kind of guide you. And I just remember all the things 
I can't think of anything specifically, but I remember all my life being told these things by these aunties. And now as I'm older, they come to my mind often um, because I'm starting to like experience the, the meaning in them as I'm experiencing more and more in life. So, I mean, one I'm just thinking of is um, mothering, you know, like all the kind of years and, and decades and generations of mothering experience that I've been given through these dialogues, you know, I'm, I love what Johnny said about you need, people need to define what the past is for themselves. Cause I'm learning that a ton with my children. They need to, you know, define, you know, understand the past and, and shape that for their own future. Hmm. But I'm also, um, remembering my father and, you know, it's funny because I, went to school and learned all of these tools to do something that I, I'm not necessarily doing. I'm using those tools in a different way to, to help people kind of to understand what their future is by understanding what the past means to them. And my father, I learned recently, um, did the same thing in the uh, Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act. His job was yeah. to go from village to village and describe to people in his native language what the Claims Act meant. And words like corporation weren't even words that you could translate. So it, there's a huge, I, I feel like this moment in time and who I am is so much part of the past and is influenced by it that it, as I get older, it becomes more important to who, to everything really. I feel more connected, I guess. I feel more connected to people that aren't here any longer. I feel I feel even connected to people that were here generations ago. And I don't think that's just because I'm Alaska Native. I just think it's because I'm in a place that allows for that. How does it allow for that, Michael? Well, I think as we talk more about things like land acknowledgement and I mean, even, you know, it's so, so ridiculous to relate this to COVID, but even as we learn about this, you know, epidemic or pandemic and all the things that are going and we look to the past to, to figure out data and how things are going to model and all these things, I'm seeing this much grander connection that's more hundreds of years long, thousands of years long, not just maybe 10 or 20 years long. And it's hard to explain, but I feel like I just feel so much more connected to things that were happening hundreds of years ago than I ever have. This is my age. (laughs) (laughs) I think you appreciate learning. And I Mm -hmm. like, yeah, and I think, um, yeah, that was very well articulated. I think it's interesting to use the the past as a lens, too, like you said about, I mean, the pandemic. In 1918, the Spanish flu, they were wearing masks. When you see photos, it's like, come on, 
I'm the, yeah. There's some of that, and 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 just that simple. Uh, people knew things before you, and that humbles you. <laughs> and so you think about just uh, you know respecting and valuing people's knowledge uh, in different ways, um, whether it's a, you know ex- personal experiences or stories that are shared, or if it's scientific data. Um, the past holds a lot of clues to what might be in the future and so if you're able to better prepare yourself better prepare your community um, share these things together and sort of address them as a community uh, the past holds a lot of clues um, and and a lot of hardships too there's challenges identified throughout our lives throughout generations before us that we can avoid Um, so why don't we yeah this is Simonetta um, connecting to what you were just saying, um, Johnny. Um, I'm curious to know uh, from both of you, uh, can we plan for the unknown in Anchorage, for instance, and what values should guide that? Also thinking about uh, understanding place and understanding the place where we live. What are the values that, uh, for instance, in design or in planning that are needed for the future? of the place that we inhabit. But very interested in, um, can we plan for the unknown? If so, what, what values should guide that? I've been really impressed with uh, our local and statewide abilities to plan for the current unknown. So I have a higher level of faith in, the, in our systems at the moment than I may have had a few months back. Um, and I think ultimately we won't necessarily be able to plan for the unknown, but we can put ourselves in a way, in a space to uh, respond. And so I think the unknown that we have coming, which is partially known, is climate change. And I think we are working on ways in which we can consider addressing it, um, as well as measuring the, the impacts. But planning for it, I feel like, is understanding what assets you have, uh, clean water, um, access to the port, and then what things you can put in place um, to help your community stay safe and thrive in the event something else comes to light, uh, which it will. Um, So it's really just having good records of what's in place, understanding where your technical expertise is, um, if it's an infrastructure problem. And I think one of the next big challenge of the unknown that we have is houselessness and how to start to address uh, societal challenges that we're encountering all, all across the nation. So I think we're getting earthquakes uh, that can translate somewhat to climate change. We're working with pandemics, which will probably see future challenges in the health industry. So let's now focus on our impacts to society and how we can improve the livelihoods and experiences by all uh, within the state. So I don't know if we can plan for it necessarily, but we can certainly address what we have and think about ways in which we can use it for the future. I think that there really isn't an unknown. Um, you know, I think if you look, if you if you think about things more in the 10,000-year timeline, then most of these things have happened and will happen and continue to happen again. It's just where do we put our consciousness and our efforts? Um, you know, I just 
learned that I read some some crazy uh, article, and I don't know if it's true or not that they that scientists think they discovered a parallel universe. You know and that that was completely crazy to me. You know, and I started thinking about that and. For me, from my personal response to the unknown is, um, again, has a lot to do with time and all these different life experiences. But I feel like, you know, the first the first response can be fear, um, and it it often is, and it has been for me, and in the past it has been. But now I. I'm starting to approach the unknown as an opportunity for growth. Um, I've learned over and over in my life when things that are hard or things that are devastatingly um, painful happen, there is always something like a phoenix thing that happens with me where I become even more the person I want to be. Um, out of that and so as for instance with the pandemic and the unknown of this I started to embrace um, a focus on less material things which I have focused on you know I'm a go-getter and I started to say what I started to really embrace what really is it that I want to matter in my life and that was a huge gift for me to say all this stuff around me doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the people around me and the people are, that I love are safe, you know. And to me, when you're going like we all go, right, and do and do a hundred things, you, you can, your, your priorities can get, um, they can get blurred and mine were blurred and this gave me two months of complete focus on my family and I mean what kind of gift I mean for me and I know a lot of people aren't experiencing that so I I hate I don't want to sugarcoat it but for me that was an incredible gift I won't ever get that gift again I don't think Mm -hmm. um Another way, I think, to prepare for the unknown, so for me to take the fear out of it and and see opportunity, another way is to um, think about uh, the past and what people did. And I think that's exactly what part of how we responded to this and, and some of the other unknowns. I'm so impressed with our community's ability to come together. I think that makes Alaska very unique. I think we can do that in even richer, um, more equitable ways in the future as we learn um, to come together through these different disasters that we've experienced. But I go back to those aunties and I think, gosh, they were always doing something. They were always preparing. There wasn't a time when they weren't preparing and it was part of, you know, in May you did this and in, in June you set nets in, you know, berries and um, family time and Slavic and all these things that they were constantly preparing for the next thing. And so I'm starting in my more, uh, you know, 
Anchorage life to, to think about life like that. Like, what do I need to prepare for next? And what's the next opportunity that I can find within the, the unknowns that can be scary? Is it possible, Michael, for a community to respond in the way you are talking about an individual responding to challenges? You know, this idea that when we get through something or take something on, our true self is, is really revealed through that struggle. Can that also apply to, to a community or to a city? I definitely think it can. I think that um, we have done that. You know, um, I think that our ability to respond in this last, uh, in the earthquake, in with how people reached out to each other, the emergency management of it, the pandemic, I think that this community is really good at responding. I think we need to get take on more and more layers of that and learn from this. You know, what were people having to deal with that maybe we didn't realize, you know, and how can we create better systems and safety nets for people um, who were really, really struggling and what were those struggles? Mm. You know, I know that there are a lot of people struggling and I think we're, our mayor is doing a fantastic job. I think um, the Office of Emergency Management is doing a great job. Our our healthcare system is really stepping up. I mean, but there are still people who are struggling incredibly, and we need to learn about that and and not have them at that edge where this creates, you know, complete havoc, you know, where they can have gifts too. And I think our eyes are open to that. You know, we've housed more homeless uh, people experiencing homelessness. We've housed more people in the last two months than we were doing in a year, Hmm. you know. And there's an opportunity there. Um, We need to look at kind of these kinds of things that we're doing. People are making masks for each other. People are supporting each other in ways that they weren't before. And how can we keep that going? You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of pockets of community that are wonderful that we need to amplify and keep going. Thanks, Michael. Johnny, I want to give you a chance to respond as well. Yeah, I'm, well, to build on that, um, I think the current, the, you know, I feel like the earthquake at this point was a baby step um, for coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our current moment, and I, I appreciate where Michael was going with houseless, um, people experiencing homelessness. Um, I think that'll be amplified in the coming months. Um, so I feel like what we're experiencing now could be baby steps to something bigger, um, using, building off the successes of the now. And I think frankly, it could be changing the way that our entire city is organized, um, as it pertains to walkability, um, access to food and other services, um, the distribution of people. Um, so I think it has long-term, um, potential to be which would then set us 
up next for whatever the next thing is. Um, so yeah, I think we're building on it as a community as we're coming together and learning together. We can use the past as indicators of how we should behave in the future to address houselessness. Now that we know we can do this, you know, the Sullivan Arena, for instance, mm. um, why wouldn't we do that the next time? Or why wouldn't we figure out how to take the next step? So um, it's it's been remarkable what we've been able to accomplish. I do feel, you know, I'm in a huge position of privilege, you know, employed, white, uh, male. And so I know people aren't experiencing this the same way I am, and I'm, I'm cognizant of that. So I'm also challenging myself and others to think about ways in which we can improve the lives and open up our communities and bubbles to, to those in need, um, which I, you know, I've, I've been thinking of that, but I haven't, it, the urgency is much more increased with, uh, some of the things that are happening. So, you know, that for me maybe is a baby step, a, a really important one to address other upcoming challenges or, or opportunities. Think about the opportunities that those create too, because when you're working together in that way to address people's needs, um, magic can happen. Do you have a vision or, a, or an idea of a healthy, good living environment? Obviously, especially thinking about Anchorage. Yeah, I think from the, Michael, you mind if I jump in? Yeah, I go from, for it. <laughs> I think from the 50,000 foot level, um, and this is one of the things that does make Anchorage very special. Um, and when you leave the state or you go to another community um, and you come back, you realize it even more. But we have vast amounts of open space and landscapes that we can uh, rely on for fresh air, for rejuvenation. Um, and so starting with in terms of the more healthy and wholesome environment is encouraging more, providing more access to folks who may otherwise not have it to our natural uh, settings. And then even within uh, the trail systems and other, and other places uh, within the city with it, of itself. Um, so I think the steps are there in terms of connecting to nature, being able to access food and forage and all those other components of that as well. Um, I think the, the health piece of it then becomes, for me, in, in some ways, it becomes food security for all and sort of establishing an equity there. Um, which I feel like, as of recent, um, you know, Lowe's is sold out of all the gardening supplies, which is an indicator of something. And so I think <laughs> as we move forward, um, it's really focusing about how we rely less upon California and uh, Chile and all those other places where you need your oranges from and think about ways in which our space and places uh, relate to the local food systems. Um, I think we'll see public health improve as we eat healthier um, providing access to food at a lower cost for people in need. Um, so that's kind of where I see healthy and wholesome moving in my and how my brain works and thinking about all the open space and you know, how many parking lots do we need in Midtown um, and, and thinking about how food systems could be our next um, way to come together maybe in a positive way and not as a response to something but that that is something we could plan for that would have a, a major impact on our future challenges. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, what about you, Michael? Um, any thoughts? Well, I I love what Johnny's saying because I love food. Um, 
<laughs> Us big too. <laughs> food person. And there's a lot of amazing people that are doing that, that we can, you know, capitalize on like ACLT in their community gardens and amazing, um, kind of small micro businesses that they're helping create with folks in Mountain View there. As I think though about the future and creating something even better, um, no matter what the topic is, I always go back to children. And I, and I know that sounds very Whitney Houston of me, (laughs) but And I will sing it. No. (laughs) We've got just enough time for that. Yeah. But I feel like there are cultures, I feel like we, there are cultures that focus so much on children and they give um, parents the tools and aunties and communities the tools to raise happy and healthy, safe children. And it's like, it, it's like the Burnham plan, like Chicago's plan and how Chicago was laid out. The way that they started all of that was they taught it in the elementary schools and the children taught it to their parents and it became part of their every day. And so it's like if we can, I feel like if we can put all of our resource and focus into the next generation of Alaskans, then we're going to fin- we're going to fix some of the things that we've screwed up and we're going to be prepared and we're going to be better people and we're going to have a stronger community and a more healthy community and that and that everyone can do i think you're i think within that line of thinking too michael and i agree um, thinking through the the lens of the youth or at least thinking about how what their world will look like i think we'll make better decisions for ourselves as well yeah. Um, so, so it gives you a longer lead um, on health and wholesomeness uh, within your community. I think you're building a society that looks altogether different if we're if our values are um, of respect, generosity, um, and so it's a continuum of <laughs> the lessons learned from the past as well. But it's really for thinking of how it will impact children or the value and uh, respecting them for what they're able to bring to the table and what what they'll have to endure and how they can make good decisions in the future really is a benchmark for whether or not it's a good decision for us now, um, which is also pretty important. Yeah, it's generational thinking. Um, Very practiced listeners. And it sounds like at the heart of of much of your work is listening well um, to different kinds of people. And I wondered if you could share, how do you prepare for that? How do you prepare yourself to really um, be a good listener? Oh, that's a great question. And, and yeah, we would love to know. <laughs> I think a lot of people would. Um, maybe, Michael, we could start with you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I am just really curious about everything. Mm. And so I love to ask questions and listen and not to respond, but to learn. And that can be really, it can get really annoying too. So, (laughs) um, I think it's just not having, I don't have preconceived notions so much about things anymore. And I'm just really curious to understand what drives people, because I feel like if, if I conceive of something, I'm going to miss 
the really great answer and the ability to test the answer. So I'd say that's it. That's a good answer. Um, There are people in my life who would share that. Maybe I'm not the best listener, (laughs) Um, but my mother and maybe my spouse. But the, (laughs) I think the, when you have experiences um, working on projects or working within communities um, where you're, you know, when you recognize that you're not the expert in the room, um, you tend to listen. And as soon as you're able to realize that you can learn something um, that may be useful to you, you know, selfishly it would be useful to you in some other way, you begin listening more. And that happened to me uh, early in my career. I'm working in, well, on any number of projects, but working within Anchorage specifically. And so when you learn those and you're able to use that experience later, um, it creates, it generates a sort of the habit of listening, good notes, um, all those sorts of things. And as you become good at just listening, then active listening and understanding and asking follow-up questions about why, you know, the same level of curiosity that maybe Michael has, like, oh, why is that important to you? Or how do you use that tool for this purpose? Um, it, it's really satisfying when people share their joy and knowledge uh, or they're, you know, they're asked to share their experience or they share it to you um, and you demonstrate that you're listening and present information back to them. It creates really deep relationships. Um, so it kind of comes, it doesn't come naturally, but there's real value in it. So once you recognize there's value in it, it's much, becomes much more regular, I Mm. suppose. Mm. If you think you know everything, (laughs) um, that doesn't really go well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So especially in the state of Alaska where you rely upon, you know, there's extreme environments. You rely upon other people all the time. Um, it would be silly to think you know it all. Thanks to both of you for for um, sharing some of that. We have time for for both of you to share a closing thought. Um, this is really open. You know, it could be a question, something that's still on your mind, um, or just something that you haven't been able to say that you really want to. If folks are unfamiliar with Alaska Humanities Forum, you should check us out at akhf.org. We're also on Facebook and on Instagram. Again, turning back to our guests tonight, Johnny Hayes and Michael Frederick. If you've got a, a quick closing thought in our final minutes here, um, Johnny, could we start with you? Sure thing. Um, first, I just want to say hello to my uh, girls, Adele and Greta. They think I'm famous because I'm on the radio now, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, as we walk through the world and whatever experiences and perspectives that we have is just know that it's valued there are people within this community that value you um show up to the table whether you're asked or not and share your experience because whether you're 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 sitting down next to a designer six feet away or a doctor whoever else i think uh, our community is built on shared experiences and the more that we're able to share those with one another the more positive of a experience we'll have um so i think knowing that you're valued and sharing your experiences. Johnny, thanks a lot for being with us tonight. Thank you. This was super fun. Great. And you're famous. (laughs) Michael, how about from you? 
Well, I just, I want to say thank you. I like to um, just end with things with gratitude, just great gratitude for these conversations, for the opportunity to talk about big things and personal things and all kinds of things. I, I feel like it's just a wonderful embrace of our community anyways, and I I love it as, a, as an example um, to move forward with is of listening and and having conversations that are uh, hear people's ideas because I feel like that the best kind of um, the answers are in the third thought so it's not your ideas and not my ideas but it's our ideas and if we do more of that we'll be a powerful powerful force to reckon with here in Alaska. <laughs>